The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It was June 13th, 1994. At 12.10 in the morning that the bodies of Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman were found murdered outside her Brentwood, Los Angeles condo. Of course, the murders became a major news story and national obsession when Brown's ex-husband, NFL Hall of Famer O.J. Simpson, was identified as the suspect. It began last Monday with an image no one ever expected to see. O.J. Simpson in handcuffs. His ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her friend, Ronald Goldman, the victims of a brutal double murder. It would end with an unbelievable drama played out on live TV. O.J. Simpson, murder suspect and fugitive being pursued by police as the nation held its breath and Simpson's friends pleaded with the former football hero. Give yourself up, man. Just stop. Please stop. In the time between those two events, a media circus rivaling anything in print and broadcast history threw out it all one question on everyone's mind. A question no one imagined would ever be asked about one of the nation's most beloved personalities. Did he do it? Did he do it? Well, the, le- the case led to what was called the trial of the century, where even the lawyers in the case became household names. Simpson was acquitted, as you know, in 1995, but a civil jury found Simpson liable for wrongful death two years later, and he was ordered to pay millions to the victims' families, which has never been paid. Dan Whitcomb, a journalist with Reuters, covered both trials. He joins us this afternoon. Dan, thanks for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, so 25 years later, what goes through your head over these past couple of days? Well, you know, it's funny. I was just listening to your intro there, and I think that's, you know, that, that's one thing I think we forget today was just how shocking this all was when it happened. You know, it was, it's been said before, but, you know, it was, it was a very different era there when it was sort of, sort of incomprehensible to, to be, first, it was shocking just that O.J. Simpson's wife had been murdered, mm-hmm. you know, this was a, a very wealthy uh, celebrity wife in a very uh, safe L.A. neighborhood. And just that, you know, that itself was shocking. And then the, you know, I think to most people, the idea that O.J. himself, you know, could have done it was just, you know, sort of mind boggling. And, it, you know, it, I think it speaks to a lot, like other people have said, to the, to the way, you know, celebrity news, I guess, mm. has evolved. Mm-hmm. You know, but, it, you know, I, I think your, your little intro there captured it very well, just, you know. It's hard to explain to, to, for example, to my kid, you know, why this was so shocking to everyone, why this was such a big deal. But, you know, I think that that sort of gets at it a little bit. Yeah, and why we're still talking about it 25 years later, Dan. Dan, give me an idea about uh, that night. Tell us where you were when the news came in that uh, that there were were bodies had been found. uh, Just take us through that, uh, will you? Well, we most of us learned actually the next. She was murdered at about 30 p.m. And most of us found out, you know, it, it was less of a 24-hour news cycle back mm-hmm. then, I think. And most of us found out the next morning. So I was arriving at work. I was a, a reporter covering the federal courts in downtown Los Angeles, and I was actually, uh, believe it or not, I was told by a homeless guy who used to sit outside the court. He was well known to all of us. Um, and he, he, you know, he would he would sit and listen to his radio all day, and he would talk to everyone coming and going. He and he told me as I arrived at work that O.J. Simpson's wife had been killed, and I, you know, 
that was my first inkling, and I was sort of surprised. And then, you know, as, as the day went on, and as the next few days went on, it, it was just it, it was just sort of one um, hard to believe development after the other. After that, you know, each 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 seemingly each hour brought something else that was harder to believe than the last. You know, first that that OJ may you know actually be suspected himself of doing this, and then you know where is OJ, and then, and then oh my God, OJ has been arrested. You yeah. know. And, then, um, did you go to Nicole, the other. did you go to Nicole Brown's place? Did you go to that scene? Did you go to um, OJ's house? Like where did you- I, I was sent up that first day? I was sent to uh, even though my job was was covering federal courts, it was sort of all hands on deck when this news broke. And this was actually before my Reuters career. I was working for a uh, an LA a local LA City uh, wire service, but they sent me immediately to OJ's house, and it was. Um, um, of course, he lived in a very wealthy neighborhood of L.A., Brentwood, you know, yeah. these, these huge mansions on large lots, uh, you know, well-manicured lawns and whatnot. But, you know, his his house was just completely surrounded by reporters and TV trucks and just curious onlookers. It was, it was gated, it was fenced off. You know, you'd hear a lot about that property during the trial, yeah. but, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, so it was just absolutely swarming with people and um and it, um, I think I spent most of the day out there, yeah, that first day, the 13th. And then over the next couple of days, as, you know, the investigation com- uh, continued, and then, of course, we can't, you know, th- that that low-speed chase in that Bronco. Um, and I can remember I was just a, I was a brand-new reporter, I think, working in a northern Ontario um, a TV yeah. station. And I can remember watching on the TV screens, and I, and I couldn't believe, I, Dan, I couldn't believe we were all sitting around watching this. And, you know, looking- I, I couldn't either. You know, I had been assigned to go to LAPD headquarters and wait for OJ to turn himself in, mm. and there was a there was there was a few of us standing out there, and we were actually sort of joking with each other. You know, what if OJ made a land for him? Oh and it was just absurd that OJ Simpson would, you know, run from the law. And uh, we were sort of standing out to, in, in the back of the of LAPD headquarters where the um, where the detectives would bring in the suspects. And this lieutenant comes walking out, and uh, you, you know, at one point, and it, everyone kind of feels silent, and he says. You know, ladies and gentlemen, OJ is in the wind. Oh my gosh! <laughs> he was on the run, and we were just—it was just, you know, jaw-dropping again. It was just like nobody could believe this. And then uh, I went inside LAPD headquarters, then, and I actually saw the APB coming across their little wow, you know, describing Renthal James Simpson, the white Ford Bronco. You know, all units be on the lookout, and mm. you know that really the- that seemed to be really the start. It just it changed the way that we covered news and the way that news was going to be covered for decades to come. Absolutely, and you know, and, and today, you know, where where you know literally everything you want to know about, for example, the Kardashians' life. Yeah, you know, who themselves have a connection to this case, but yeah. you know. It, it, Pre-O.J. Simpson, you know, celebrities, I don't know, they had this presumption, I guess, of being uh, sort of good people and untouchable mm-hmm. and, and, you know, living a certain standard. Otherwise, they would be famous, right? You know, and I think that sort of shook all, our, you know, that this sort of changed all that. And, it, you know, obviously, you know, we were all naive, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, this, yeah, this sort of ushered in a new era of celebrity years that I think in some ways led to the... 
reality TV show mm-hmm. culture we have now. Mm-hmm. You know? I would agree with you. Dan Whitcomb joining us this afternoon, a journalist with Reuters. He's based in L.A., covered um, the O.J. Simpson trial, both of them. Um, and you had full-time seats in the courtroom, if I remember correctly. You were there through the, through the whole thing. When did you, you know, in those days, when did you realize that this was... Uh, it, this was going to be a really big deal. You know, You know, it was called the trial of the century. When did you realize the magnitude of this? Well, we, I think we realized as soon as, you know, almost as soon as it happened. Okay. And then it, as soon as the police said that, that O.J. Simpson himself was a suspect, that was, you know, that just really catapulted this into the, to another level. And remember... You know, most trial, most cases take a good year or so yeah. to go to trial. But in this case, uh, O.J. Simpson's lawyers, as a as a tactic, wanted to rush the case uh, to court. And I, I think, I, you know, there were maybe several reasons, but at least one of them may have been to try to um, hamstring the DNA evidence. Mm. But so, th- so they went to trial almost immediately. So the trial, you know, the murders were June 12, 1994. The trial started, um, you know, within... Uh, it's still in 1994, I forget exactly yeah. when, but not very long after that. So that, I think, helped ramp it up even because it was, it was still all very fresh in everyone's minds, you know, and OJ was, you know, was still the biggest story going on. You know? when, so, when, you, when you look back at that, uh, that trial, it really did put a spotlight and certainly coming off, you know, the Rodney King um, beating, everything that happened with LAPD during that time, put a real spotlight on... Um, what what a lot of what, what deep racial divisions in the country, which I I think are still there. Dan, would you agree? Yeah, and I I actually covered the Rodney some of the Rodney King. Um, I covered the civil case of that one, and I, I at the time I thought it would be the, it was the biggest case I would ever cover. Huh. Um, but yeah, I mean L.A. was certainly you know still reeling from that, and and you know L.A.'s black community was still um, you know very hurt by that, and mm-hmm. and had a very uh, a you know complicated at 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 minimum a complicated relationship with the LAPD and with prosecutors and that that sort of formed the crucible that I think um, you know the the OJ case was born into and, and it, you know famously you know the DA back then Gil Garcetti the the father of of LA's now mayor Eric Garcetti famously moved the case to downtown LA because he wanted a black jury mm. to convict O.J. Simpson. You know, he was afraid that if O.J. was convicted out on the, you know, the, the very really white, you know, very posh west side of L.A., that it would just look wrong. You know, so he wanted yeah. a downtown black jury to convict O.J. And, of course, they didn't. They didn't, <laughs> you know, no. But that was, it, it, that was, uh, that all played into that. All those, like you said, that was all very, very much a part of it. Give us an idea. Um, you know, there was you know a select few really that were were in the the courtroom that day. Dan, you were one of them when that verdict was read. Um, what was it like in there that day? Well, you know, it, it, we all assumed that OJ would be convicted. I mean, it was there was a there was a tremendous amount of evidence against him. You know, there, you know, as Marsha Clark would say, there was a mountain of evidence yep. against him. This was. This was early in the times of the DNA, but it, the DNA appeared to show that O.J. had been at the crime scene. And it, you know, it appeared to show that these crime victims' blood was on his clothes and that his, his blood was in the crime scene. And, 
you know, the bloody glove was found behind his house. And, you know, it, it, it's all very hard to explain if he, if he hadn't committed the murder. So we, I think, you know, as journalists who were sat there day in and day out listening to this, we thought he was, I think most of us thought he would be convicted. And it was, it, it was stunning when he was, you know, acquitted. And, you know, you could hear outside the courthouse, you could hear this huge cheer erupt. There was a, you know, there was hundreds or, I don't know, a thousand people gathered outside the courthouse. And they just erupted in cheers when he was, when he was found not guilty, you know, and it was, um, it was a surreal moment, I have to say, you know. Besides uh, that. I, I don't know that anyone was expecting that, you know, even, even OJ himself, even Johnny Cochran, I don't, I don't know that they expected a hmm. full acquittal. You know, besides that, you know, that very dramatic moment, was there a was there a moment that um, also stands out to you? Uh, maybe that we saw, maybe that we didn't see, but something that still resonates with you in your mind when you think about uh, well, your I days? think about him trying on that bloody that glove. glove. Was, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was sitting not very far from him when he did that, and I remember being surprised because it appeared that he couldn't get the glove on his hand, mm. and I remember being surprised, thinking, "Wow, that's." That's strange. You know, I thought the prosecution had pretty well established that it was his glove. You know, and we all know now in retrospect, you know, the various reasons. For that. Yeah. But, you know, I think that was, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, certainly a good move by the defense to do, you know, and um, that stands out to me, you know. Dan Whitcomb joining me this afternoon. Uh, let's move on to that to, to that civil trial, which you covered as well. And I think that one of the things um, through all of this and the civil tri- trial brought it back into focus a, a little bit was that two lives were lost. Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman, uh, they were killed and um, they seemed almost to be forgotten about um, through through all of this. And the civil trial brought that a little bit more back into focus, of course, found, found guilty or to pay millions upon millions of dollars um you know sitting through that how dramatically different uh, was that um compared to the criminal trial it, it was very different and uh, you know you, you you mentioned ron goldman his, his you know his father fred and his sister kim who we got to know during you know pretty well during both those trials sort of became the face of that family and yeah. you know the fact that they were there every day i think you know, their presence grew stronger and stronger. And I think that, you know, they, um, that, it, that became a very different trial. You know, it was, in a, it was a different setting with a different jury and a very, a little more, um, a, a little quieter, a little less, you know, circus-like. Um, the, you know, there's, it was a very good um, L.A. law firm that was hired to, to uh, represent the plaintiffs, and they did a good job of presenting the evidence. There was always, like I said, always a lot of evidence against OJ. It was always going to be a, you know, a hard time, you know, refuting all that. So it was a very different atmosphere. OJ was by then a free man, and he, he, uh, you know, mingled with us and the, you know, the reporters who were covering it. And, mm. You know. It, um, completely different, it, yeah. You know, it was just a very different vibe. Um, you know, some some of my listeners are texting in saying, you know, so many years later, that money hasn't been uh, paid at all. Why isn't that? You know, why why well, hasn't he doesn't have the money? Because uh, you know, it, it, that's a complicated question. It's based, you know, and uh, Fred Goldman has made it sort of his life's mission to to collect that money. But but I, as I understand it, I'm not a I'm not an expert on this this particular angle of it but i as i understand it it's you know it's based on oj simpson's income mm. which he doesn't have a he, he has a nfl pension which can't be touched 
under the law. You're, you're not allowed to attach um, that okay. particular kind of pension for some reason. And that's like the bulk of his income now. The rest would have to come from seizing assets of his. As I understand it, you know, his assets are structured in a, in a way that it, it's not so easy for the Goldmans to get their hands mm, on okay. it. Now, I don't know because I haven't, I haven't followed that process. I know there was an attorney hired by the Goldmans who was very energetic and very determined to get, you know, what he could of that judgment. But I don't know that he, they've gotten a lot of it because yeah. of uh, those legal wrinkles. Well, you know what, Dan, uh, the trial, the trial was called a cultural touchstone, just kind of, you know, shone a spotlight on so many different things. And I mean, there's a reason why we're talking about it 25 years later. There's a reason why we're calling up uh, journalists like you who covered it uh, day in and day out. And uh, I want to thank you for sharing your insight into this and, and joining us this afternoon. Appreciate it so much. Well, thanks for having me on. You have, you have a good program there. I, I appreciate it. Take care now. Thank you. Okay, you too. Have a good afternoon. That's Dan Whitcomb, uh, a journalist correspondent with Reuters. Uh, you heard him. He, he covered uh, the O.J. Simpson trial, both the, the criminal, the civil trial, had covered Rodney King as well. You can follow him on Twitter, at Dan Whitcomb, if you're interested. Uh, we'll take a break here and some thoughts after this. Some of your texts coming in. 25 years. Wow, time goes by. And someone else says, you know what, Jay, it was so shocking at the time. Yes, the glove. <sighs> if it doesn't fit, you must have quit. My gosh, that's like burned into our memories, isn't it? And um, P. Arbo says, Jay Lynn, my husband and I were glued to Larry King Legal Genius. Jerry Spence was a regular Jerry, was a regular guest. Jerry called, uh, said it would be very short deliberation and OJ will be acquitted. We were shocked. Do you remember that? Like I said, I remember watching that Bronco chase in the newsroom going, what the heck am I watching here? Like, what is going on? And then it was one of those moments, and we've talked about these moments on this show before, those moments you you remember where you were when it happened. You know, in the newsroom at Thunder Bay Television, 1994, um, it ranks up there. I remember, you know, Rodney King. I remember, you know, seeing that. I remember when the Challenger blew up. I'd had knee surgery that day. Uh, Of course, 9-11 is a big one. Maybe for some of you, JFK, maybe others, it's, you know, the Beatles. Those things that you remember. Do you want to talk about that for a little bit coming up? You know, where were you? What were you doing? on one of those big events, let me know it.